Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, and it says this. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And I want to stop right here. Because as I was looking with this, you see this repetition of this word, which. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, we have touched with our hands. And as I was looking at this, I was like, what is this word which? And the word which is a pronoun. Everyone say pronoun. Now, you guys are like, I don't want a grammar lesson this morning. And I'm going to say too bad. You get a grammar lesson this morning. Um, this word which is a pronoun, and it can sometimes be an ambiguous pronoun. And so it gets translated different ways sometimes. How many know you're not supposed to start a sentence with a pronoun? It's incorrect. Let, let, me, let me give you an example. Let's pause for a second. Give me a new concept here. Let's think about something completely different than this. Um, it was the most amazing meal I'd ever eaten. It was cooked just right. It was the right texture. It was the right temperature. It was amazing as I was chewing it in my mouth. I couldn't believe how amazing it was. And what are, what are you all thinking right now? What is it? Right? And I, I'm just going to admit it. Um, Zach, that steak you made me for Pastor Appreciation Day, Zach and Danny worked together on that thing. I'm going to tell you what, it's one of the best steaks I've ever had in my life. It was so good. I was sitting there eating it thinking, the Lord is so good. The Lord is so good. But when you read this passage, this is kind of what John is doing right here. And, and the ASV actually translates this more literal, and they actually say it like this, and, and I'm going to mix ESV and ASV together right here. It says this. It says, that which was from the, the beginning, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, that which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. He keeps talking about this thing. What is this thing, this it, this pronoun? Because usually you're supposed to start off with like, this steak was amazing. It was the best season, the most, you know, you're supposed to start with the thing, but instead it starts with this, what is it? And this reminds me, I think it's in John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, 5 or 6, somewhere in there. Um, here's Jesus. He feeds the 5,000. You guys remember that story? He just had a, a little bit of bread, a little bit of fish, and he feeds 5,000 people with it. And people's minds are blown. They're like, of course, this would be the best king ever. You know Why? Talk about a welfare program. We will never go hungry again. And so Jesus leaves, 
tries to kind of get away from the crowd. And the next day, in John chapter 6, the crowd tracks him down. And you know what they want? Food. Yeah, this is what they say. They say, hey, uh, show us a miracle. And, and Jesus is like, what's going on here? And they say, you know, Moses, Moses gave us manna in the desert. So uh, what kind of miracle can you do? And you can tell what they're doing. They're trying to get him to do the bread thing again. Like, you did it once, do it again. And so here's what's crazy. Do you know what the word manna means? It means what is it? What is it? They didn't know what it was, so they called it what is it? And so they're like, Moses gave us manna, it was this bread-like stuff, in the desert when they couldn't find any food. So Jesus, what miracle are you going to do? And Jesus says this, okay, yeah, Moses gave you that, but he says, I am the bread of life. And whoever eats this, like, he won't be hungry anymore, right? I am the bread of life. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're all like, that's weird. And they all leave because that's weird. Jesus would get a crowd going, and then he'd say weird stuff, and everyone would leave. Happens in churches, too. Attendance will swell and grow, and then the Lord moves, and people leave. They're like, that's weird. I remind Jamie all the time in youth ministry, like, the crowd will grow big on Wednesday night. And then the Lord will move, and a bunch of them will leave. Because when it comes time to actually come and die, some people don't want that. I want to follow you, Jesus, but I want to die to myself. I like to be close to you, Jesus, because it's cool to see miracles, and it's great to get free bread. But when you actually are asking me to give something of myself, I don't want it anymore. So here's Jesus. He's saying, you know, Moses gave you what is it, but what I'm telling you is I am what it is. Moses gave you what is it, but I am actually what it is. And when I look here in John chapter 1, I can't help but think back to that. It's like this thing, this, this what is it was from the beginning. This thing, whatever it was, John's saying he's heard it. John's saying he's seen it. With his eyes, he's looked upon it. He's actually even touched it with his hands. It's concerning the word of life. And that's really important. You should underline that in your Bible. The word of life. Because this is going to be really important to figure out what it is. And I know this morning we're all like, we already know what it is. It's Jesus. But can I tell you, it's important in your personal private study time to reaffirm your faith through the word of God over and over and over and over again. To ask yourself, does the scripture actually say this? And then look and make sure it does. In verse 2 it says, the life was made manifest. And, and here's the thing. We, we read big words all the time in the Bible and we pretend we know what they mean. Because it makes us sound smart. So we have words like manifest. Which is, you hear in good spirit-filled churches all the time. Can I tell you, the word manifest means to be made apparent. Just to be made obvious, to be made apparent, to show. So he's saying the life, what life? The life that he's seen, the life that he's heard, and this is what's weird, the life that he's touched with his hands. How do you touch life? It depends on what that life is. 
It says the life was made apparent. It was made manifest. And then he goes and says, and we have seen it. Well, you already told us that. Apparently, he's pretty excited about this. He's seen it, and he testifies to it, and now he's proclaiming it to us, to you, eternal life. Underline that word eternal life. In fact, every time you see life, underline it in your Bible. He's proclaiming to us the eternal life. What is this life? What is this eternal life? Because if it's me, some days when I'm waking up and I'm not really sure about life, right? Is it just me? Some days I'm like, I just need a cup of coffee. I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes as I'm reading this, as I was sitting with the Lord this week, my thought was, I just need a cup of coffee. And sometimes the cup of coffee helps. And you're like, oh. And sometimes we drink the cup of coffee and we still think, what's wrong with me? Maybe another cup of coffee. You don't need coffee, friend. You need Jesus. You need life. I just gave it away. What it is. I don't understand completely why John is so repetitive here, except that he's super excited. And the way I know he's super excited, look at the last words in verse 4, that our joy may be complete. We'll talk about that in a second. How many would like to have complete joy? Uh, I'm not going to talk about it in a second. I'm going to talk about it right now. Like I said, this is not a well-put-together sermon. This is me as I was studying. This word complete, it means to be fulfilled. Like literally it means to fill up to the point where you can't fill it up anymore. Like imagine having a bag of, of and you're filling up with something, I don't know, something great, candy. It's been Halloween recently and you're filling it up with candy and you fill it up until you can't fill it up anymore. It is complete. It is fulfilled. That's what this word means. It means his joy, may, he, he wants his joy to be completely full, complete. How is he doing that? How is he fulfilling his joy? Because if, if that's possible, I want it. If it's possible to have completely full joy, I want that. Anybody with me this morning? When I saw that this week, I was like, that is, that is my goal. That is what I want I'm trying so hard not to preach a sermon that I'm going to preach in January right now. I will back away. Stay focused. How is his joy being complete? By telling you these things, by writing these things to you. What is he writing about that's making his joy complete? Life. Something about this life, this eternal life, which he has seen with his eyes and he's heard with his ears and he's touched with his hands. And now just writing about it is making his joy complete. Friends, I, I think what he's saying is if we could tell people about Jesus, what we've seen about him, what we've heard about him, what we've experienced through him, and get that communicated out in some way, shape, or form, it will make our joy complete. So if you're struggling feeling joyful in any day, Maybe, maybe tell someone about Jesus. I think this is we should actually be the altar call. I don't know. Sorry. If you're struggling and feeling depressed, maybe get on Facebook and instead of complaining about the Democrats or the Republicans, maybe get on there and tell someone about Jesus. Maybe pick up the phone. <laughs> 
and call a friend that needs to hear about Jesus? Well, they already know Jesus. Tell them about Jesus anyway. Like, well, they're already a Christian. Great. Call them and tell them about your Jesus. And if they don't like it, maybe they weren't a Christian. And maybe then you can tell them about Jesus. There seems to be something here about having complete joy when we tell people about Jesus. And this is what I know about eternal life. It was with the Father. Look at verse 2. It was with the Father, but now it's been made apparent to us. It was with the Father, but now it's being made apparent to us, being made manifest to us. It reminds me of John chapter 1, verse 1, which was written by the same guy. Where he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he talks about this, this light, this Word being this light, and it comes into the world. Like the Lord's sending it into the world, and the world doesn't even understand it. And he's going to use this light imagery again, but we're not going to get into that today because I decided we shouldn't. Verse 3, that which we have seen. Yeah, I know, right? That which we have seen and heard. He's just repeating himself again. We proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete or full. And I just, like, go back and read that whole thing again. How he just keeps repeating himself over and over. We've seen it, we heard it, and now we're telling you. We've seen it, we heard it, and now we're proclaiming it to you. Like, like, he can't help but contain it because seeing and hearing it, and if I tell you about it, then we can have fellowship. There's got to be this thing that happens that when, when Jesus does something in your life and then you tell someone about it, now there's not just fellowship with you and the Lord, but now there's fellowship with you, the Lord, and that person. Like a deeper fellowship, a fellowship that goes beyond just us being friends or whatever. I mean, that's why D groups are such powerful things. Because we're sitting there and we're talking to each other and we're talking about what the Lord has done in us and through us. And now it's not just us talking about it, but there's this deeper fellowship that's not just happening between us, but a fellowship that's happening between you and me and the Lord. And then I'm reminded when the scripture where it says where two or three are gathered, he's in their midst. It's like this whole Bible's like matching up with itself. As we study it, and it's insane, and it's awesome, and I love it. What's crazy here is I don't think John really ever reveals what it is. Like, he doesn't say it right here. He doesn't tell us what it is. He just says it's life. It's eternal life. Whatever it is, it's eternal life. Well, who could be eternal life? Spoiler, it's Jesus. You know how I know it's Jesus? Okay, we're at the very beginning of John. I don't know why he waited till the very end of the book to do it, but let's flip over to the very end of John. First John, sorry. We're in First John.
And, and go to verse 20. Go to verse 20. It says, and we know that the Son of God has come. That's Jesus, by the way. Who has come? Jesus, the Son of God. And he has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Then he says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. And this is insane to me because here he's saying, and by the way, I had to read the whole letter of 1 John to get the answer of what is eternal life. I can't believe he would do that to me. Stinking John. I had to read the whole book in my abide time just to get to this part right here. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. And I want to say, like, you can understand through Jesus Christ. Like, that was, that was the whole reason Jesus came. Like, he came and he talked in parables and then gave understanding of the parables, through the parables. Like, we know more about who God is through Jesus Christ. And it turns out Jesus Christ is God. And that's, you know, that's... That's a debate that the world has had for a couple thousand years. Was Jesus really God? And here's something that you may not know, and, and I always like to get into these things in my personal time. Um, I don't often bring it up here, is that, like, there's some people who would say that, well, the, the disciples, the apostles, they never actually said that Jesus was God. There's people who make that argument. And so I like, to make like I'm like well are they right or are they wrong now I would say so I just try to prove them wrong but that's called eisegesis that's when you read yourself into like oh, I'm going to prove them wrong well or you could say well wait what if they're right and you go and you read so what if they're right it turns out they're wrong just so you know like Jesus is God how do I know well here's John and John said he saw Jesus he heard Jesus he touched Jesus and that it got him so messed up that he has to proclaim it to you. But what does he say right here? It says, we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. And then what does he say next? He is the true God and eternal life. I'm sorry. For all of you who believe that Je the disciples didn't think Jesus was God, John thought Jesus was God. Not only here, but as we said a while ago, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And not only this, this Word, He is eternal life. Like, Jesus is eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. He is the true God and is eternal life. And I, I believe in, in little children, keep yourselves from idols. I, I think if John was afraid of confusing us with whether Jesus was God or not, I, I think that's what he's saying here with keep yourself from idols. He's saying, listen, Jesus is God. Everything else is just an idol. So keep yourselves from idols. 
I don't think he'd include that sentence there if he didn't think Jesus was actually God. Because then Jesus would be an idol. But Jesus is God, so we worship him. And he is eternal life. And, and let me just tell you, as I was going through this and looking at all this, this whole concept of, of eternal life. Um, that we must be a people who views our lives in context of eternity. And as I was sitting with the Lord about this right here, first of all, getting super excited that Jesus is God. Wait, you're a pastor, and you were getting excited all over again that Jesus is God? Yes. Like, the revelation of Jesus should bring some excitement to ourselves over and over again. Jesus is God. But not only is he God, but he is eternal life. And if we can truly begin to look at our lives in context of eternity, it changes the way we make decisions. Like we realize all of our stuff is just stuff and we can't take it with us. Like I just got a new house. And at first I was like, oh man, I don't, I don't know about all this stuff. And, you know, and then I was like, you know what? None of this matters. Like, I was about to start getting stressed out about all this house stuff. And, and it's this stuff right here that makes, like, okay, it's just a house. Guess what? That house, 200 years from now, if the Lord tarries, it'll probably be a pile of rubble. I mean, I hope they built it pretty good. But it's a brand new home um, that the Lord is blessed with. But it doesn't matter. And so I just made a decision not to worry about it because it doesn't matter in constant in context of eternity, which kind of goes back with Matthew chapter 6, which says, don't worry about tomorrow. And as, as fiercely as we can worry about things, you know, it doesn't change the circumstance. Um, this last Wednesday night, um, we had to leave church quickly because there was a storm coming through. And we're like, let's not get caught at the church in the middle of a storm. And in Oklahoma, there'd been a bunch of tornado warnings and things like that. And um, so we wanted to get out of here. But while we were here at the beginning of service, I got a phone call um, that there were some, was some tornadoes uh, around the Tulsa area. And I got a phone call from Stephanie and her son Jackson. He was just like torn up. He was just freaking out because of tornadoes. I said, put Jackson on the phone. So I'm talking to Jackson. And Jackson is, there's tornadoes, Drew. And I'm like, okay. Like, does worrying about a tornado cause the tornado to stop? No. But can we pray and believe that the Lord will answer our prayers? Yeah, and I no sooner said it, I was like, I think we should pray. The kid launched off in a prayer, and I was like, whoa. And he prayed with authority. I was impressed, this kid's prayer. And he got done praying. He's like, all right, we're going to be okay. You know, they're hiding under a stairwell at their church in Oklahoma. And like, all right, we're going to be okay. Yeah, you're going to be okay. Because we have faith in the Lord, not faith in our prayer, but faith in our Lord, right? And we get caught up in so many things that are temporary and transient and momentary. But how many know that there is eternal life? Eternal life is a real thing. And sometimes we lose our mind 
over something that doesn't even matter. But in reality, in eternal life, guys, so I would ask you the same question I asked myself as I studied this, is like if Jesus is eternal life, then Jesus, I have to trust and provide for me today in the moment because he cares about my today. But he said, don't worry about tomorrow. It's weird. It's almost like, don't worry about tomorrow, but, but think about eternity. Don't worry about eternity. Think about it. Realize that you're an eternal being. So my question is for you is, what are you worrying about that is today that is not eternal, not eternally important? And that's, y'all, okay, so do I have opinions about the vaccine? Sure I do. Can I tell you something? The vaccine is not eternally important. That's why I have not taken to Facebook and told the whole world how right I am. And I am right, by the way. Is it eternally important? What you do with Jesus is eternally important. That's what this says. Jesus is eternal life. And I want to be like John and proclaim eternal life and that eternal life is Jesus over and over and over again. If I seem lost, it's because I, I, this is not a sermon. <laughs> this is me wandering through what I sat with in my abide time this week. Like, I wish, I'll tell you this, I wish, I wish I could have seen Jesus. Like, I, I'm envious of John as he writes this. Like, I wish I could have heard Jesus. I wish I could have seen the miracles. Like, I wish... I was one of his inner disciples and have him come up and just wrap his arm around me. Like anybody with me on like, like just to be close to Jesus. And, and I watch these movies like the chosen and I'm just like, there's this, there's this jealousy inside me for it. And I read this and like, you saw him, you heard him, you touched him. But I'm super grateful for John for writing it down. So I at least can read about it. And I'm reminded in the word where it says, blessed are those who believe and haven't seen. Like there's an extra blessing for us who walk in faith, like because we didn't actually get to walk with Jesus and see him and hear him. There's an extra blessing because we heard from someone else and now we believe. And the question I have for Drew every day is, do you believe? Do you believe? I want to know Jesus to the point where all I want to do is proclaim him. He says that we, we proclaim him. We, it's apparent to us, and we proclaim him, and we have fellowship with him, and I just want to have fellowship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
And so that was my abide time this week. And that's what the Lord was doing in me this week. I believe that all of us should be a people that if we ever get called upon to speak about our Lord, even if we have nothing prepared, we always have something prepared. I believe that's part of what Paul meant when he says, be ready, be in season and out. Like we should always be sitting with the Lord. A question that I like to ask my leadership team is, where are you walking out obedience? Like what is the Lord speaking to you today? What is he doing in your life today? And, and I'll tell you, I promise that going forward, I'll always have a sermon ready. But you should always be sitting in the word every day. We should abide. John 15 tells us to abide in the vine and that we can bear fruit. And what my hope and my prayer is, is that, that telling you about what Jesus did in me this week will do something in you will spark something in you. Like, we don't have time to go into it. I mean, I guess I could keep going, but I won't. But in First John, over and over again, it talks about abiding. Abiding, abiding. I mean, it's in there a ton. About abiding in Christ and abiding in the Word, abiding in the Lord. In fact, in 4.13 it says, By this we know that we abide in him and in he in us because he has given us his spirit. It, it's this whole thing of are you abiding in him? And so li life's going to happen. Life's going to get busy. But what I would say to you this morning is never surrender your time with the Lord. Never surrender that time you have and, and do it in the morning. Do it in the morning. Jesus got up early. It was his custom. He did it often, the scripture says, and he spent time with the Lord, and he was God. And he needed to spend time with the Lord every morning, which is kind of weird to think about God spending time with himself, but it's one of those mysteries of godliness. If Jesus had to do it, we really need to do it. We need to get up every morning and abide and spend time with the Lord. So close your eyes for a moment. There's a lot of questions we can ask ourselves today. The first is this, are you abiding every morning? To where if, if someone asks you, hey, what, what, is, what has the Lord been teaching you that you could just tell them? And that, that's, this is not a question of guilt or condemnation. This is an invitation to life. The second is this, is, 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 is Jesus Lord of your life? Maybe that's the first question. Have you truly surrendered to eternal life? Are you still living for yourself in the moment? 
Are we casting our worries on him? Are we hanging on to the worries of days? He is eternal life. Jesus is what it is. He is the bread of life. And so, Lord, this morning, we come before you in a place of surrender. We posture our hearts before you. We thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is alive and active. Lord, and I thank you of if nothing else that I said or did was important today, just reading of your word brings life. No commentary, Lord, can change or take place of just speaking the truth of your word. God, let Ephot be a church. A church that's eternally minded. A church that has true fellowship with one another because we continue to proclaim Jesus to one another. God, we thank you for what you're going to do in us and through us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.